that you've been taught that certain events will happen. The next week, we're going to talk about the signs of the end times. And we're not going to get to details because I don't do that. Because Acts chapter 1 and 7 says, it's not for you to know the times or seasons, but be filled with the Spirit. So would you, can we just please get off that, that thing? You've been taught that the second coming, that he will come. And, and when he comes upon the earth, that he'll be crowned king upon the earth. And I've been telling you, and I want you to be loud and clear. When I said that I call myself a kingdom man, and I understand that there are variables involved in that, that, that really offends a lot of people. I do believe in the second coming. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in all of that. But on the third day when he rose, that he went straight to the father and the father crowned him king. He was king in the manger, but he was king in title, but not yet, as, we, as I told Brenda, that back then, if, if a child was born to a king, that he was referred to as a prince. But if the father was killed while the baby was still a baby, the child now is king, but yet not physically can he make decisions because he's still in pampers. But he's still in king. Jesus was king in the manger, but yet God withheld him until certain things happened. But here's the deal. When I keep telling you that, that I'm a kingdom man and the, the, the kingdom of heaven is right now or at hand, that here's the deal. That when God crowned him king on the third day, which he did, versus the concept of what you think that one day he'll be crowned king, which one of you are worthy to crown him king? Which one of you is worthy enough to crown him king when he comes back? I hate to bust your bubble, but you're not that holy. <laughs> There's only one that can crown him king, and that's the father, the king of glory. And on the third day of his resurrection, when he rose from the dead, that he ascended to the heavens. And at that moment that he was crowned king over heaven and earth. And he's ruling and reigning not only in heaven, but he's ruling and reigning upon earth. And he's reigning in the hearts of lives, including me. And he is king of my life. And I'm part of his kingdom. The word kingdom means king and dominion or domain. He is king of my domain here. And you can live like hell and run with all the demons you want to. But I'll tell you what, the king of glory, there's only one. He is found worthy to be crowned king. And so Revelations talks about this. When we all get to heaven or if we all get to heaven or. And the, all of heaven is waiting to open the books and the seals. Yeah. And you have seraphims and you have these beasts of these these faces of the eagle and the ox and the man and the, and the lion. And, and none of them. And that's the question. Who is worthy to open the books and loosen the seals? Who is worthy? And I believe that 30 minutes of silence is that moment. Because no one is worthy to open it. No one in heaven, not the most saintest person in heaven is worthy enough to open the, the books and loosen the seals. Revelation says it. Revelation's five. And they said there was only one and there was a lamb that rose up the midst of the throne and only he is worthy to open the books and loosen the seal. So I'm here to tell you this morning that I'm so glad to tell you that Jesus Christ is king now. He's king in my life. He's king in my heart. And, I, and, and he's king over all things. And he will return one day, the second time without salvation and received us and we'll be transformed and, and, and transferred to another kingdom, an eternal kingdom. But I'm so glad to tell you that 
Worthy is the lamb. He is the only one that is worthy to receive glory and honor. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. So if that doesn't get you excited, if you don't like talking about heaven, you're probably not going there. So just go ahead and endure what we do here. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, really, it's kind of like watching a, a, a comedy with a sound turned on. People are laughing, the guy's slapping his leg and you're not getting it. I understand you're spiritually deaf, but just, just bear with us because we hear the spirit of God and we're having a great time. Amen. Father, all that you're doing and all that you have done, we ask you to be glorified in us. Your word declares as the moth is drawn to the flame of the candle, so too we are drawn to you because you're good. And I pray this morning that as you just begin to move upon the hearts of these people, your children, your called, your elect, that not only they hear your voice, but they follow you and they obey you. And we will not get distracted by the crowds that are prodigals and run in opposition. But we as your sheep, we follow you and we'll follow none other. So thank you for the faithfulness of your people. And we give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. So about six weeks ago or so, I, I began a process called Keys to the Kingdom. Keys are given for two reasons, either to lock things up or to unlock things. That's what keys are for. I have keys in my house. And we talked about this because it's been so long ago. I got off on Jacob and Esau, but it's been so long ago that Keys to the kingdom has everything to do. There are certain things that God wants you to have and unlock, but there are certain things that God don't want you to have, so he locks it up. So the word keys is plural, Revelation. I've given you keys to the kingdom. Keys to the kingdom. So this is a key this morning that we're going we're gonna to talk about. It's very simple, but I, I think, I think that, that we have to get a hold of this, especially today. Recession has started taking its toll on most Americans. And will it lead us straight to a, another economic crash? Critics are more concerned today than any other time in history that our financial and social structure is on the brink of another collapse. Newsweek magazine, 1974. How many is here under the age of 30 or 40? You don't know anything. <laughs> don't whine about anything to me. Running short of cash, the United States and its allies scrambled to head off a global disaster. Finance minister from the U.S., Britain, France, Japan, West Germany met last week near Frankfurt to find a solution to avert a global Economic Collapse, World News Magazine, 1982. Unemployment rose today to 24.75%, 1933. Unemployment rate soared to over 11% in 1982. A 30-year mortgage in Climbed to 18% in 1980 and 81. 
today you're whining because it goes to five. And you're going to say, well, that's back when you had more money. Once again, don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. Minimum wage was about $4.75. Don't talk to me. A nickel a bale. Tall, hey. Here's one. The sky is falling. <laughs> the sky is falling. Chicken little. So the question this morning, has the words of Chicken Little taken the place of the words of Christ in our churches today? You see, there's nothing wrong with taking prevention as long as these things doesn't take priority in your life. And we've learned through years ago that priority is basically in three things. is what you think about the most, Where's your money the most? And where do you spend your time? That's your priority. Your priority is these three things. Where do you spend most of your money? Where do you spend most of your thoughts? And where do you spend most of your time? That is your priority. Oh, I know you buzzing out of here once a week. I didn't say this was your priority. So has the words of Chicken Little and all these things taken over the church today? Well, it could be. So Jesus knows that because he knows us. So he... This is a statement he made in John 14 and 1. He said, let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, then believe also in me. The word trouble is a Greek word called terasso, means to harass, to bully, to intimidate. It means to agitate. To harass, it means to be out of control and out of bounds. At the moment when Jesus is speaking to these disciples, they have not been intimidated. They have really have not been bullied and they have not been harassed because he has shielded them. But I will tell you, in the next few hours, they are going to be harassed. They are going to be intimidated and they will be bullied beyond measure. And the Bible says it was prophesied by Zechariah. You smite the shepherd and the sheep will scatter and they did. Things may be going good for you right now. I understand. You're smiling. But I will tell you what. When Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let it be out of bounds. Don't let it be bullied. Don't let it be intimidated. Don't get out of control with your heart. And the only reason why he says this is because it's possible that we do. We are living in very hectic times. We're living in very evil times. We told you that he says in the last days, those should be perilous times. It's a Greek word where we get for these two demons that were in the gatherings, the cemetery, fierce, angry. They hate you. They, they don't care if you're saved. They don't like it. You guys say they don't want you to be light in a dark place. They don't want you to be hope in a hopeless world. They do not like anything about you. And don't take it personally. It's not you. It's the God that lives in you. They hate it. They've always hated it from day one. There's always been an evil uprising. So why should things change? That's why I found out I like to come to church. There's not that many demons. There's a few, but besides that. <laughs> so we're living as in 1974, 1982. And what about Y2K and the bird flu and the swine flu and the Ebola monkey virus and the COVID? I understand. It's easy to get out of control. 
I don't understand when people still wear masks and they're outside and they're by themselves. I don't understand any of that. Or driving down the road in a car. I don't understand any of that. It drives me crazy. You're, you're, I need to make a t-shirt. You're nuts. I want to buy bumper stickers from the church and I'm going to say, you're completely nuts. And I'm going to put on their car when they're not looking. How's that? So we begin this morning, Matthew chapter six, verse 26. And the NIV says this. Jesus said, look at the birds in the air. This is the very first sermon he gives. Very first. So he said, look at the birds in the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, or because your heavenly father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they are. To let your heart get out of control, to let your thoughts go run wild, to let your emotions get out of bounds. That's what the word prodigal, prodigal in the Bible, Luke 15, the prodigal, there's no word. Prodigal is not even in the Bible. I know you know that. Somebody said it's not. No, it's not. It means, prodigal means a to be out of bounds. Someone is out of bounds. A child, a lifestyle, some person has gone and left the borders and the boundaries of, of what their parents set for them. So they're out of bounds. And, and here's the deal, that when you allow your heart to get agitated, intimidated, and bullied, and pressured, and controlled, and dictated to by the elements, and here's the deal, then you become prodigal. And if you become a prodigal thinking that, 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 that I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna survive this, we're not gonna get over this, then really the, you're, you're smaller than a bird brain, because the birds don't do that. Never, never in the newspaper will you read thousands of birds run into a Mack truck on I-35 because the, the wheat harvest was bad this year. I mean, <laughs> birds jumping off buildings, never see it. Why is that? Because the father feeds them. The scripture says that every bird that falls to the ground that he sees, somebody thinks that's dying. It's not dying. The reason why the bird comes to the ground, because the father puts food on the, on the earth. So let's just back up and go slow because some of you are south of Wilson. Jesus is pointing and he said, you see these birds and, and, and they're everywhere back then. Little spare, they're everywhere and, and they're eating granary and all this stuff. He said, you see those birds? They don't reap. They don't toil. They don't stress. They don't worry. They don't throw themselves down water wells. They don't get, they don't throw themselves into the mouths of cats and lions and because they know their father feeds them. And he said, are you not much more valuable to the father? than them. One of the greatest keys of the kingdom that we have to learn this morning as children of God, as men of God, as women of God, that we have got to learn this principle above all keys. That he loves us and he will provide for us. He will take care of us. He will watch over us. Not one thing can happen to us without his permission. I may not understand it. I don't have to understand it. The only thing that I understand that he holds my hand. That's it. 
Hebrews chapter 11 is filled with people that didn't get their way. Hebrews chapter 11 is a, it will deal with people that, that had to bury their young, divorce their spouses, and, and, and was abandoned in betrayal. All through Hebrews 11, they did not get their way. They did, they handed a, a play sheet to God and said something like this, I'd like for the, you to work this out in my life. And, it, and God just tore it up. But yet, they trusted God. I'm here to tell you this morning, we're going to find out that whatever you need may be, God has the answer and the source to sustain you. Whatever you're going through. Because are you not more valuable to God than creatures? And the answer is yes. He loves us. We're his children. Galatians chapter 3 verse 5 is, is, a, is a very funny scripture. You all know it. Uh, Flippin says something like this. It says, my God shall supply all your needs according to your, your riches, his riches in glory. Um, that's not the same wording, but this is what he says. The apostle Paul says, therefore, he, which is God, who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of law or by the hearing of faith? The idea this morning is this word supply. The God supplies the Spirit to you. And that's a capital S, and that means the Holy Spirit. If you're new here, sometimes in the King James, if you see a small S, that means your spirit, your mind, your thoughts, emotions. But if it's a capital S, it means the Holy Spirit. So that's why sometimes you'll see small S as a big spirit. It's a funny word, but the Apostle Paul is giving these people a lecture because that there's a lot of things that's coming, pressing down on them, just like us today. There's, there's great poverty. There, there's great division among the churches. There's, there's, there's unstableness in, in, in the city council. And so the Paul stands up and he said, what we, we, we don't need a new governor. We don't need a new president. What we need is the Spirit of God to supply to us what is eternal. Here, watch this. You, you don't, we, <clears throat> you can say what you want to, but I, I don't care if we, if we get a, 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 a Christian president or a Christian governor. I don't really don't care because nobody in Hebrews chapter 11 had a godly king to help them. So when you read Hebrews chapter 11, none of these people had a godly government. None of them. They didn't depend upon a government. They depended upon their God. So I don't, I don't need the mayor of this town to be godly, whether he is or not. I don't need the governor to be godly, whether he is or not. I don't need a president to be godly. I don't care. As long as I got God, I don't care. Because God is the one that supplies my needs. Some of you say, well, the government sends me a check. Well, that may stop here pretty quick. If you don't. So the Bible says, so he therefore that ministered to you the spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or the hearing of the faith. The words supply, epikorgos. Now in Philippians it said, my God shall supply all of your needs. That is a word called pleruma. It means to cram full, to fill it, to, to fill an empty space and, and, and to jam pack things. But that's not what this word, the apostle Paul said, you have problems here. 
You have financial problems. You have marital problems. You got in-law problems. You got people wearing Dallas Cowboy jerseys and we're a Patriot fan. We got problems everywhere in the church. But he said, here's the deal. What you're looking, what you're doing is that you're looking, you're the biggest mistake you're making is this, is you're looking for other people to do for you what only God can do. And so he used this word supply, epikorigos. So the word epi, it means along with or for or in the behalf of. And korigos is where we get a word for chorus. And chorus in the Greek means a ring or a circle. And when you put it together, epikorigos means it's a ring or a group of singers. They knew exactly what it was. We've talked about this a long time ago. This word supply in the English, you get the idea that God's going to hand it over. That's not what this word is to, to the extent. By definition, on a community level back then, that Rome prided themselves in fine arts. And someone in the community that was very wealthy took it upon themselves to subsidize and pay for everything that the choir needed. They didn't have to have fundraisers. They didn't have to beg you for money. They didn't have to fill out this sheet because the, the, the uniforms don't match. The horns are out of tune. They didn't do anything. They had beautiful arts. They had beautiful singing. They had beautiful music. But one person that was very wealthy, a patron of it, that he was the Epiochorigos. He made sure that everything that the course needed or the choir needed when it was their time to perform, they looked the best, they sounded the best, and everything they needed that Epikorgos, that person, took care of all of their needs. Period. That's what it means. Look it up. No matter what need that the choir members had, that patron took it. So God is the one who is constantly supplying, Paul said, the spirit to you with bountiful and unlimited resources, the Greek lexicon says. Paul was not writing to these saints, remind them of just one single isolated incident. Rather, he's referring to a continuous flood tide of, of benefits, blessings that God had already provided for them. He's just reminded them. Answered prayers, miracles, healings, deliverances, provisions, and the list go on. When the Apostle Paul said, you people know what Epikorgos says, and they go, we do. Then that's who God is to you by the Spirit. Whatever that you need. He's already made the provision and paid the way through His Son, Jesus. By the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, whatever you need on your journey with Him, that there will be no lack. Mentally, physically, spiritually, that God will provide for all, everything that you need. It's kind of hard to get our mind around. But I would say to you that Darren Miller said today that he's going to take everybody to lunch. So order what you want to. I'll tell you a quick story that I've told a long time ago, but it's still funny. But I have a middle boy. My wife has a middle boy. And and uh, <clears throat> when we started the church back in about 1988, we started in a little mall with about seven people and uh, six, maybe. Outside of our family, there was five. 
and we had the three boys. And Jeremy, uh, Jordan was about a year and a half. But for the first three years starting this church, my wife worked at the courthouse. And I think she made $750 a month. And I did not work. I had a huge business and I walked away from it to do this. I, I told somebody that the last check that Galen and I got before I walked off was 12500 for one month. You heard me right. We own trucks. And one Saturday night getting ready for a Sunday school lesson, the Holy Spirit told me, he said, walk away from it. Go start a church in Ardmore. And the first thing I did, I rose up and rebuked every spirit in that house. <laughs> so some of you need to know this. Don't drive by my house and judge me and say, oh, he's born with a silver spoon. Don't talk to me. You don't know me. You know nothing about me. That's why they wouldn't let anybody name Jesus because the God will never let anybody name him because they don't know who he is or what his destiny is. Don't let people name you. They don't know you. They don't know what you've been through. They don't know what you're going through now. So the first year and a half solid, we, we could take nothing from the church. Nothing. We were just picking up cans. We were selling fried pies and selling chocolate bars. Really? And it was tough. Really tough. Trying to raise three boys on $750 a month. Didn't have anything. We were happy. But we knew we were being obedient to God. That's it. Nothing big. Nothing fancy. Nothing. Just a storefront of a mall. Nothing. Rented chairs. A rented pulpit. We borrowed everything. A rented organ. There's nothing. And so about two, three months into the thing that a couple of people started coming. A few people started coming. And it was towards the end of the month. And so uh, we knew Gala at the courthouse only got paid once a month. So you heard me right. $750. A family file. And uh, we didn't beg. We didn't take up special offerings from the churches. Some of you have been going here a long time, and I don't even talk about money. If you don't want to give it, don't give it. You deal. Let God deal with you. He'll get it from you. It may be a transmission. Your house burned down. He'll get it. Don't, don't come crying to me. I'll pull out the financial statement and say, here you go. Well, it is. So a couple said, we'd like to go out to eat dinner with you. Take your lunch. No, they said, we, can we go eat lunch together? And I said, well, because we, they were first time. I said, we'd love to go. So we got in the car and we were going to go to Bill and Barb's. <clears throat> and we had, a, we had a conversation before we ever, we pulled up to Bill and Barb's. And I looked at the boys, the two oldest boys, not him because he was two, so he don't count. And this is what I said. <clears throat> Galen looked at the checkbook, and I think we had $12 in it. And I said, we'll order for you. Do not order. She's sitting right there. And I knew they had a couple little plate lunches that are 3 or $4 and something like that, because Bill and Barb had been around a long time. 
So we went in there and we had a big old smile on our face. They never knew we had $12. We didn't, we didn't have any sense. So we sat down with them. We was talking about church things and blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, we told the waitress, the gala said, I think we're going to, we're going to, him back there, he don't count. He's two. We'll just give him whatever scraps we can find under the table. Uh, this boy here, the older one, he, he kind of understood. He was about 11 or 10. So he sat by me and we're at this long table and Jordan was sitting by me. He was two. And but the middle boy was about five. And he was sitting about 10 feet from me at the end of this table. So I was sitting on the end and Jeremy was sitting on the other end. And Jeremy's he's always been happy and go lucky. Everything's funny. Everything's good. He's like that bird in the air. He has no worries. He has none. He's got ADD and the mother alphabetic letters, but he's he's happy. So we go in and so we order and Gayla and I order and said, you know, we're not that hungry. We're going to split it. We never dared said anything. And I noticed the waitress went down on Jeremy's end. And she got down there with him and he had the menu. <laughs> and he can't read. So he's got this huge menu and I can't see him. And and he's pointing. And she's writing things down. And I'm trying to get his attention. And I go, and, and he's still pointing. And he's happy and he's waving and he just, his little eyes are beaming. And, and I kind of gave him the old, like that. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to say anything, do anything. And. And so she said, I got it. And she walked off and I told God, I said, I'm going to kill him. We don't need that third bedroom. I'm killing him. We're going to raise these two and we'll be good. So this is true. And so the way it just comes, I mean, we're talking, I'm talking to this guy and, you know, and I, I'm not even carrying a conversation with him now. Because I'm, I'm, I'm mad at that kid down the end. Oh, my gosh. I just wanted to strangle him. And so, lo and behold, they bring Gayla a little plate lunch. and Or they bring me a plate lunch. And they bring her a little side salad. And, and I'm not sure what they brought for. It wasn't much. It wasn't much. And, and, and Jordan, it, it didn't matter. We just shoved something to him. And they bring Jeremy a big chicken fried steak. Mashed potatoes, green beans, gravy, cinnamon roll. I don't know what all they brought. A birthday cake. They brought it all to him. And I'm so mad that these people are wanting to visit about the church. And, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so preoccupied with what he's doing. And he had the nerve. He said, Daddy, will you help me cut this up? And I thought, you don't want me near you with a knife. I told Gail, I said, are you sure we only have $12? She said, $11.88. And I'm counting. And so I'm, I'm with church people. And so, so here's the deal. I'm just, oh, I'm so, so frustrated. And so when we kind of got through, I wasn't very good company. I tried to be. We tried to be. We were civil. We were decent and kind, but I was wanting to kill him. And 
And the waitress said, would you like to have any dessert? And we said, no, we're good. We're fine. Said, we just need to check. I, I got to go. I don't feel good because I couldn't wait to get in the car, strangle him, put him in the trunk. And she, she looked at me. She said, well, the gentleman here, he, he, he already paid for it in advance. Now, first of all, <laughs> I was very thankful for the meal. But it had been a lot better if he'd have told me in advance. <laughs> then I would have said, Jordan, hand me a menu. <laughs> and then second, that little not knowing the provision that was already provided for me robbed me of a wonderful dinner with people of like faith. He's the God of more than enough. The Apostle Paul just wasn't talking about one incident that these people had faced. He was reminding them in this verse, you remember the miracles? You remember the healings? You remember the time that your children was on the deathbed and God raised them up? You remember the time that finances was not going your way and somehow you got a raise on your job? He's not talking about one incident. He's telling them over and over and reminding them that God has supplied for you over and over and over and over and over again. I laugh about it, but for the last 30 something years, there's stuff here I could tell you that it's just so funny. It's just funny. And I think God does it to prove people wrong. I'll tell you, funny, you women don't know, but in the men's restroom, we have a urinal. All right. And on that urinal, there's a flush valve and it's a little button and, and you mash it. Now, if you want to, when church is over, we'll clean all the guys out and you look at it. But, but you can mash a little valve on, on the urinal and water goes in there and, and leaves. It's not, it's not a handle. It's a, it's a little valve. It's about that big around. It's a valve. When we started this church, Ron Bryant back here helped us. When we started this church and bought five acres, we had $1,100 in the bank. That's it. That's it. And we got that by selling fried pies at one time. We bought five acres of downtown of a building with parking lots and all. We, we had $1,100. And you would say today, that's the most dumbest thing I ever heard. I agree with you. But I just had more faith in God than I had since. And you know what? I still do. And I remember the plumbers started putting, and we ran out of money. $1,100, how long is that going to take? I'll guarantee you got $1,100 worth of shoes in your closet right now. Easy. And the plumber said, we're going to, this is the bill for the commodes and the urinal and the flush valve. And, and he said, the flush valve is $388. I said, I can't afford that. I don't have $388. He said, well, it's a good one. I said, I don't have it. He said, we could put a cheap one in there for about 65 bucks. But he said, it won't last a year. 
So I went to a guy in church. I said, listen, we're out of money. Can you loan me a hundred bucks? And he said, yeah. So we bought a push flush valve that was supposed to last one year and we moved there in 1990. This is 2023 and it's still working. <laughs> the Bible says that when they entered the promised land, the soles of their shoes were not wore out. You don't think God knows how to provide? He knows how to provide for his own if you'll just follow him and trust him. Through the years that I've learned to trust God. With whatever our needs may be. Is he concerned about the sparrow? Absolutely. But how much more valuable are you than them? He loves us. He watches over us. He will provide for us. And here's the good news. That he has already given you the supply of the Spirit. Whatever that the need may be, he has already paid for it in advance. So go order up. Your joy, your peace of mind, your laughter, your salvation, your divine health, your physical well-being, all these things that on the cross, Jesus paid for. Why do you worry? Why are you stressed out? Some of you here this morning, it takes to the end of the service before you finally get it, that God has already provided for your need for tomorrow. In the Garden of Eden, before they ever sinned, God already provided the skins of animals to cover them before they even sinned. God has already got the answer for you before the question comes your way in life. So as we begin this morning, things are not good. Things have never been good. Times are hard. There's a lot of stuff going around. There's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of evilness. There's, there's wars and rumors of war and all these things we'll talk about next week. But here's, can I just say time out for a moment? Are we going to recite the words of Chicken Little? Or are we going to recite the words of Christ, our King? You do what you want to. But everything that pertains to life and godliness as concerning my life has already been bought and paid for through Jesus Christ. And if he'll provide for the sparrow, he will provide for me. And so I might as well enjoy the fellowship while I'm here instead of wringing my hands, wonder what we're going to do tomorrow. Father, this morning, one of the keys that we have to learn above all things, that you're the God of more than enough. And I really don't need another car. And I really don't need another motorcycle to make me happy. I don't, I don't need a, another job. I don't need to make more money. That never has made anybody happy. I don't need to move to another location. I don't need to build a bigger home. I, I don't need to do anything that will bring happiness to my life. 
there's only one thing deep down that we as your children long for. We need your spirit to calm our hearts and soothe our minds. We need the supply of the Spirit of God in hard times and difficult times and difficult decisions. We need the supply of the Spirit to secure us and remind us that we are loved. God, you have been so faithful. I've watched my wife pray for my children at night. I've watched my wife pray for our washing machine during the day while she kicked it. But she, you have been so faithful through the years. And I'm convinced of this one thing that you'll be faithful for the rest of my life. King David said, I have been young and now that I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen his seed begging for bread. For all your prodigals this morning, Father, that has made their way through these doors and set in these pews, there's a thousand and three things that's probably going on in their minds. That's probably robbing them of fellowship and laughter and joy, eating at the table of, of one another's company stress and anxiety and, and division and distractions. It, 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 it can overtake us. And, but we come to this resolve today, the supply of the Spirit, you have already paid for it. You've already provided for us. And I think I'm going to sit down with you this morning and enjoy the company of one another because you have blessed this church in so many ways for through the years. Your hand has been upon this church for so many years. And I'm so thankful for that. So we're going to trust you. And we're going to, we're going to teach others to depend upon you in Jesus name. And all the people of God say, amen. And the people of God said, amen. Stand to your feet, if you would, please. You don't have to ask, you don't have to answer this morning, but when you first came, was you a little distracted? Was you a little hindered? Were you a little frustrated? I was here late. Maybe you had a flat. Maybe your coffee spilt on your trousers. Maybe the, maybe you just couldn't get your hair looking right. And you come to the door and go, well, I'm here. I understand. But the supply of the Holy Spirit is here for you this morning. Epichorgos, whatever the choir needs, it's already been provided for. Whatever you need this morning has already been paid for through Christ. So just receive it. Communion servers, please come this morning. We celebrate Holy Communion every week. All it really is is a reminder of what Christ has done for us. We don't celebrate Holy Communion to, to gain any merit or 
to climb any spiritual corporate ladder. It is an opportunity to break bread. On that last Passover, Jesus gave the instructions to go. He said, go to a room that is already furnished. You don't need to bring anything. And when the disciples got there, sure enough, everything that was needed for that last communion was already furnished. You see, they were emotionally bankrupt. They were spiritually bankrupt. They had nothing to bring, but Jesus had it all. So this morning, if, if you're saying in, in the back compartments of your heart, you're saying, well, pastor, I, I just don't feel like it. I've had a rough week. I've said some things, I've done some things, and and I, I just don't feel like that I'm, I'm worthy enough. Once again, only He is worthy. You don't have to bring anything except yourself. Everything has been furnished by God through Christ Jesus. He said to them, the disciples, and He said 1,500 years ago on the first Passover, that your fathers through Moses took the bread. John 6 says it like this, that your fathers did eat of the man and bread that fell from heaven, but they did hunger again. But if any man eateth of me, he shall never hunger again. And they took the bread. And then he lifted up the cup and he said, 1500 years ago, you celebrated the lamb's blood by taking it and place it in the shape of a cross upon the doorpost that the Abaddon or the death angel would pass over that night if he saw the blood on the doorpost. And Jesus said, now I am the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world and my Father will take my own blood and place it in the shape of a cross that humanity can find forgiveness of sins. Father, this morning, this service is not about anything that we have done and what we can do. This gathering this morning is about what you have done and what you are doing on the behalf of your children. Thank you. And we celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.